Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to LAOFCS Weekly. We have a lot in store today, including an early review of Glass. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Happy New Year. I am Scott Menzel, founder of We Live Entertainment. Happy to be back. And today we have two firsts on the show. Sitting right next to me is the man, the man, Mr. Scott Mance, the co-founder of this organization, the wonderful man who hosted the freaking hell out of the show the other night. Mance, I love having you here. Thank you so much for Thanks finally so coming much on. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a long time. I'm glad I could be here with the co- with the founder and chairman of the LA Online Film Critics Society. And man, he man, he he wrangled some talent. He did such a great job at the show. This man has the energy. I don't know where he gets it from. He doesn't drink coffee. I don't think. I don't think he. Uh... I just love movies. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just know, the energy. When you love when you love something and you're passionate about it, the enthusiasm and the energy just comes organically and that's def- that's the case with three things for me. With movies, with the Beatles, and with Star Trek. <laughs> Those are the three things that I get passionate about and I do not need coffee to do it. No. No you do not. Uh, next up, Joel who uh, has not been on the show yet either. Nope. Joel, introduce yourself. Uh, Joel D. Amos. I am the Movie Mensch, visitable at uh, com, And it is my sincere honor, pleasure uh, to finally be here and share this wonderful space with you guys. Yay, Yay Joel! Joel. Yeah. And then finally, a welcome return. As Mans pointed out at the award ceremony, the second most handsome man in the room. So and much pressure. still so much is. Pressure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my name is Nestor Ventancor. Uh, you can find me at Nestor Cine. And let me tell you, I know that your nickname is Movie Mance. Mm-hmm. From now on, to me, you are the greatest showman. Oh. And we know all that- these years I've been Iron Man's, a Mance for all seasons, Spider Man, Spider Man's. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the greatest showman. There wow, you go, Nestor. Yes, right, special okay. resonance Because here. of that, you are the best looking guy in the room. From Thank this you. Point oh, forward, thank you for sure. For an hour, <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> you've witnessed a promotion. You got promoted. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, uh, Nestor. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. Thank you for joining. Um, so. You know, we used to have a format on this show. We kind of threw it out the window because it's award season. and There's so much to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about our own award ceremony and our highlights from that. But let's first start off with some of the movies that came out. We didn't have a show last week because only one movie came out. So what was the point of having a show to talk about one movie? And that movie was Escape Room. Uh, I saw this back in December. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I got a very special invite to say it. And... Uh, did not have kind things to say. Uh, did not work. I kept looking at my phone. I wanted this movie to end. It just did not work for me. It felt like a poor man's version of Saw meets The Truman Show. Okay. Did you guys see it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here's what I have to say about Escape Room. Uh, so have you ever been to one of these escape rooms? Yeah. Yes. You know, when you go with a bunch of friends and you're mm-hmm. all looking around, looking for clues on how yeah. to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Okay. With this movie, my um, again, sometimes <laughs> you know a movie doesn't work, but it kind of you kind of need some time to like really figure out why it doesn't work. And, and it wasn't until after I left the screening that I realized why it didn't work for me. And it was because you had to be there. 
like if you're watching other people and you're not part of it, mm. then you're not part of it. And if you're not part of the what's going on, then you're not engaged to the film. And with the exception of a couple of the clues that they were looking for, where I was sitting in the audience and I guessed like one or two of the clues, and I felt like, oh, okay, you know, if the audience is actually maybe one step ahead of the people in the room, then it's almost like an interactive movie. But in most cases, <laughs> the clues were impossible to figure out, and you can't look around the room unless the camera is looking out around the room. The other problem I have with this movie is with the exception of like the two of the women – I didn't care about anybody in the, oh in the room. Oh, my God. I agree with you. And, and I didn't really care if they got out or not, if they lived or died. And I'm not going to spoil how it ends for the one or two people who maybe have not seen it and might want to. <laughs> but I could not escape from this theater fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, what do you think, y'all? Um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I maybe liked it a little more than you guys. Yeah, a little. Just like, like, so you still didn't like, like it. Like, like that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the headline for me was Taylor Russell. I thought she uh, – I hope to see more from her uh, in the future. She uh, you know, did her best with what she could, but you can only elevate crap so high. Yeah. Um, I, uh, the rooms I felt like were a bit uh, – I don't know. They, they each seemed so geared towards each person. And uh, again, not giving anything away, but in that mo- in the final scene of the movie, I feel like everything that they'd established up to that point, they just threw right out the window. Oh, yeah, I agree yeah. with you completely. Yeah, you know. So if everything is geared towards each person, then why did you have the ending you had? And I just, you know, when you get an ending like that, it throws all the goodwill I had for a movie right out the window. I completely agree, Nestor. I mean, I, I agree with that. The ending is terrible. The ending is so bad to the point that you wonder, is the same people that were making the movie until this point in charge of making this? And I'm sure that you have more endings. There has to be kind of an alternative ending there because this was terrible. It felt like Final Destination mixed with, I don't know, whatever, The Ring or horrible last 10 minutes of this movie. Of this movie. What happened before, I think, to me, is good enough for a movie, January movie, kind of thriller horror. I think the production design is pretty cool. I think that for the most time, I I was kind of engaged with the story, and I didn't hate the characters, because most of a bad horror movie, you actively want them to die. Mm -hmm. You want the monster Uh, to get them. You want the killer to get them, and to me that wasn't the case. But but with everybody, or just a couple? No, no, I had had a good time with all the characters. I was engaged with the movie throughout, except for those Terrible 10, 15 minutes, and the answer that they give to this is the less possible, is the less interesting answer you can provide. It's so pedestrian, so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I was disappointed at the end, but, you know, what happens before is not that horrible to me. I I completely disagree with you, surprisingly, because I just felt like the characters weren't interesting at all. I didn't want, I I didn't, there was no development. They tried to do these flashback sequences, 
that was supposed to show how bad they were or something that they did. And it wasn't even impactful. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't hate them. I, I didn't like them. I just didn't care about them at all. There was no feeling whatsoever towards any of these characters in this movie. And that guy who was in Love, Simon, um, mm-hmm. who I really, really liked, yes. and he's very charismatic. And he was like kind of like the leader of this film, mm-hmm. and he was not good at all. Well, he's in the opening scene. Yeah. And he's our, he's our pull into the story. Right, right, right. And just like... And I just, you lost me with him. Yeah. yeah. You know and what, this is a movie that, uh, honestly, they released it in the beginning of January for a reason. Yeah. First, oh, yeah. The first weekend of January after the holidays. Graveyard. Not a, yeah, Graveyard. For a reason, because people are, they're, they're recovering from the holidays. They're, they're still catching up on all the, uh, the, the bigger films like Aquaman and Mary Poppins and all these other big films that opened and all these awards uh, uh, season movies that were in select cities that went wide. So, so this is a dumping ground, and Jan- January is a dumping ground. There have been some surprises, uh, uh, surprise movies that came out of January, like, like Split from a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about the sequel in a moment. Um, but uh, generally, Escape Room is a film that fits right in January. It's forgettable. Maybe they should have like let it go on as a uh, on, on the Netflix, Amazon, Hulu platform, so people could watch it from home and not have to pay to see it. Uh, and even then, I would have recommended "Don't Waste Your Time." So I, I think we've wasted enough time talking oh, about yeah. this turkey. Yeah, <laughs> and Nestor, since you're the only one who saw replicas, no, you saw it. I did not see it. I didn't see it. Okay, uh, replicas is exactly what you just said about Escape Room to me. It's uh-huh. a movie that should have been released on a streaming service. You know, it's a very small movie. And it's a movie that if you're at home Friday night, you don't know what to do. Say, okay, I want to see kind of a bad movie, but it's entertaining to a point and it's fun because it's bad and you like Kanye Reeves. Sure, watch it with very low expectations. And if you like science fiction, there are a couple of ideas they toy around. I think, oh, revelatory, mind-blowing, but it, it, it tickles you. You know, but there are some some line of dialogues that are <laughs> terrible, but you kind of laugh with, you know, and you laugh at the movie. So for that, sure, you want to see kind of a Nicolas Cage ridiculous movie? Yeah, replicas works. <laughs> uh, you Back and I, a compliment. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You and I both saw the Upside of Toronto International Film Festival. A year and a half ago. Yes, when it was Weinstein. Yes. Before and, all that stuff. Okay, so, so the, the backstory to the Upside, <laughs> it's, it's a remake of a, of a French film, a very, very popular French film called The Intouchables. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this uh, this Americanized version of it, starring starring Brian Cranston and and uh, Kevin Hart and Nicole Kidman, uh, premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in September of 2017. And I remember watching that movie at the Princess of Wales Theater, thinking like, "Wow, this is really really fun!" And it's it's so charming, and it's so it's so upbeat and feel good, and it's a Kevin Hart that we've never seen before. Yeah. And then a couple of things happened. Like a month after the Toronto Film Festival, Harvey Weinstein came crashing down, and so did the Weinstein Company. And this was a film that was collateral damage because yes. of it. So then about a year later, STX Entertainment, which needs a hit on its hands, mm-hmm. picked it up. And I went, wow, you know what? This is perfect because it's actually really, really good. So STX has a movie that could potentially be like a, 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 ma- a mid-range hit. And what happens? Kevin Hart – is is asked to host the Oscars and then totally, totally botches that job before he even like really takes the job, and 
all the talk about about the the upside now, all the interviews that Kevin Hart's doing, it's all turned around and been about his his bungling of the Oscar host. And the movie's actually really good. I thought it was great. I thought the chemistry with Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston was great. And and Kevin Hart, who who I have to say, I'm not a massive fan of his stuff. I think he's his shtick is sort sort of a worn thin for yes. me. Yeah. But but in this movie, he showed range. He showed depth. There was a serious side to him we have not seen before, and he did pull it off. Great chemistry with Brian Cranston. I really, really thought it was a, a, a really good movie, and I would absolutely recommend it. What did you think? I, I pretty much agree with you. I, I mean, Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston have remarkable chemistry together. Their dialogue is back and forth. Some of the changes they made from the French film to the American film made sense. They were they were jokes that people would not get if they were not an American audience and vice versa. So I feel like that really worked. Nicole Kidman, also kind of charming in this film. It's a feel-good crowd pleaser, another one of these movies. And I agree with you that instead of worrying about the Happy Time Murders or some of these other pieces of crap that they released last year, the, uh, Mile 22, Nestor, your favorite movie. Yeah. 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 They, they should have put that luck. Lo- they should have put this movie out. And, yeah, that's and, a good point. Why yeah, you're it, right. Why is it out in January then? I I, I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know when STX picked it up, uh, mm-hmm. but it was probably after the fall because that's when I when I read that they did pick it up. And uh, but I mean, you know, they they've not had a good luck. No. Uh, I mean, other than Bad Moms and Bad Moms Christmas, uh, you know, they've not had good luck with with movies at the box office. I mean, Adrift was the movie with uh, yeah, Shailene Woodley. Mm-hmm. That was actually really good, but people didn't see it. You know, it's it's a hard time for for mid range type mm. of distributors. Uh, and like even today, I mean, breaking news. You know, Lionsgate. Oh my God! Yeah, I did saw. you hear this news? So Lionsgate, the studio behind the Hunger Games mm-hmm. and the Saw franchise. La la la. La La Land, <laughs> the movie that changed my life and won Best Picture for two minutes, uh, but did win six other Oscars. They they had big layoffs. It's mm-hmm. a hard time for 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 mid range distributors because the landscape has changed so much. And and a movie like The Upside just it just couldn't get a break. No. Okay. No, what do you no. think? They didn't see it. They didn't see it. They didn't see it. They didn't see it. Well, guys, I mean, seriously, it's good. I want to see it. Yeah, it's really see it. good. I loved the French film. I absolutely love the French film. But I, I, you know, I actually personally am a fan of Kevin Hart. I do feel he's pushing the stick too far. He needs needs a movie like this, I think, to show people that he can do something else. So I'm actually very excited to see it. And Brian Cranston can do no wrong. Brian Brian Cranston's great. So yep, it's up there. for Joel, me. we're going to start with you. We're moving. We're, the other two movies. Oh, actually, only one. A uh, Dog Ways Home, which I want to see, but mm. didn't have a chance to see this week. Uh, maybe next week we'll talk about it briefly. Yeah. Um, or not. <laughs> or not. From, uh, but, Joel, I want to start with you. We're going to do an early review of Glass because mm. I feel like this is a very highly anticipated film. Mm. Joel, since you didn't get to talk that much yet, let's start with you. Uh, I actually rather like Glass. Um, I have been a huge fan of M. Night since the beginning, uh, except for that large swath of time <laughs> where he was swinging and missing at everything, last airbender, um, that, you know, I welcomed the end of Split uh, 
uh, uh, that just rocked my world. And, and and I know that we are going to be split here on this movie. Badooch. I see what you did yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did there. Um, but I, I, I did. I, I, I liked what he was going for. I, I like how he is coming from a, a comic book movie uh, mindset from before we were inundated with comic book movies. I mean, if you believe that this was a trilogy in his head for 20 years now, yeah, uh, it, it was a different landscape back then. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know what we see on the screen is a product of that. And I think he stuck to his guns, and I think he del- deserves some uh, saluting for that. I, there's a lot of shocking moments, but I do see why it's so divisive. I do see why there are parts of the film that people are just going to hate. But personally, I enjoyed it. I found it uh, thrilling. And the worth it thing for me, price of admission-wise, James McAvoy. I mean, the way he changes on a dime for those characters that are all inside his head is astounding and a lesson for actors everywhere. You, you said you could see why people do are uh, the issues that people do have with it. Mm-hmm. You know, without spoiling anything, what are the issues that maybe they didn't bother you, but you could see how they would bother other critics or um, people? Well, it's called Glass, but the movie really is not about Mr. Glass. Right. And I think that... That's, that's and, one of the problems. That's kind of a huge thing when you mislead your audience and they go in thinking, you know, we love Samuel Jackson. I love that character for Unbreakable. In a lot of ways, this is really split, too. Yeah, it really. You're, you're right. You know, and, and telling me that this is really Unbreakable 3, it's it's not, you know, okay. in a lot of ways. So I think that can really piss off a lot of people. All right, before I get into my spiel, what do you think, <laughs> Nestor? Um, okay, this movie was number three, my most anticipated list of 2019. Really? Yeah. The whole year? The whole year, number three. Interesting. I mean, was, After Spider-Man I, I was and feeling Star like, Wars I was and feeling like Avengers. The, I was like the beast, you know, going around the <laughs> Lion world. King. I cannot wait for this movie. Wow. Running right. on all fours. Yeah, Captain yes. Marvel. Wow. Yeah. All right. Number all right. Three, three for right. me. Huge fan of Unbreakable. Uh, I enjoyed Split. That was pretty cool. Major disappointment for me, this movie. Mm-hmm. Major disappointment. I can see some good things in it, but it's the kind of movie that the good things make you even more frustrated because, okay, you are wasting not just the potential for these characters, but the mythology that was set up in Unbreakable. And what you just said, you know, why the third movie in a franchise after everybody's supposed to be on the same page? And you're just waiting for these characters to come together to wrap things up and you go home happy while you waste that opportunity. And you there are moments that you feel that Shyamalan doesn't know what to do with this story. A story that he had 19 years to mm-hmm. think about. Well, that second act just goes on. It's a lost cause. I mean, I, I, I have heard that, but I would say that, I don't know. There, there is like 45 minutes in this movie that is centered on another character. The movie could have been called Dr. Staple, okay? <laughs> it's a character that I call personally Dr. Jar Jar because it's such an annoying character. Her whole purpose purpose is for you to make you questions, to make you question things that you already know that happen. Mm. So is you feel Shyamalan through this character and sometimes through Glass, character, and Samuel Jackson is great, James McAvoy is, is awesome, but you feel the same tendencies that brought Shyamalan down. This obsession with putting himself before the story, before the character. I can see Shyamalan talking to the audience with these grandiloquent things that feel so 
I don't know, absurd. Every time somebody says superhero movies, I want to jump out of a window. In the in the first Unbreakable, the superhero conversation was sophisticated, was fresh, was new. In this movie, it feels feels forced. I, I was distracted. It's ridiculous how they want to mesh these two things up. And the last thing I want to say right now is that what is the story about? I think that another movie, superhero movie from 2000, like Unbreakable, did it way better. It was called X-Men. So what are we doing with this? I don't get it. All right, Menzel, what do you think? <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. I had some issues with it, just like everyone else was saying. My biggest problem with it is that middle. Um, it does have a lot to deal with... Um, Sarah Paulson's character. Um, It has a lot to do with the fact that it just feels bloated and unnecessary. There's a lot of explaining in this film that I don't feel needs to be done. Um, And your mention of, I got it. And I feel like this is his love letter to comic books and comic book, you know, movies. But I don't feel like he had to keep telling us. Although with that being said, I did enjoy, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's, references to you know this is like oh here's the other characters you know like that kind of stuff to me i appreciated and i will say that i like samuel l jackson but it's very hard for me to actually forget that i'm watching samuel l jackson this was one of the rare times where i actually felt like oh this is actually a character that he's playing as opposed to himself you're watching him act yeah right i I see your point which because like i just feel like he's playing himself in so many of the movies that he's done and it's just like, that's just him, it's just him, it's just him. Um, but, you know, I was, this is going to be controversial at this table, I was actually split on split. I actually thought split was only okay. And mm. I really enjoyed Unbreakable. And I thought that this movie, you know, when you take the beginning and you take the end, it works, and then the middle's kind of sloppy. But I can kind of give it a pass because I appreciate those two things, and I think... This can open it up to a, a much bigger movie. All right, I hated Glass. I'm just going to okay. I'm going to say that right off the top. I hated Glass. I loved Unbreakable. I thought when Unbreakable opened in November of 2000, I mean, it was a year, about a year and a half after The Sixth Sense uh, was nominated for I think seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, six or seven, right? Mm. And uh, look, I mean, uh, The Sixth Sense made almost 300 million dollars domestically. And it had one of the best surprise endings up there with, like, Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Citizen Kane. I mean, it was, it was a great, great movie. Um, Unbreakable suffered because it had to follow the sixth sense. But <laughs> it, was still, it was still a very, very good movie. And it had a great – I love the, uh, the twist ending, you know, with Samuel Jackson being the villain and all that stuff. I thought it was great. Uh, and Split, I really like Split a lot. Came out in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as January January movies go, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, definitely a massive, massive showcase for James McAvoy. Oh my he should have been nominated he for all yep. twenty seven of those performances. I have said since that movie came out, if that movie came out in November, he would have been, been on the Yeah, that's a good point. But here's the problem: the ending of Split. When you get to the ending of Split, you know it's been a couple of years since it's been out there, so I'm not spoiling anything here. But when you realize that it's part of the Unbreakable universe. Um, that, that moment didn't, it didn't, I didn't go, oh my God, wow, that was great. I went, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like it it didn't, (laughs) it didn't need to be part of that universe. It didn't need to, it worked fine without it. It was, it was a good movie on its own terms, suspenseful. 
Uh, again, gripping, uh, riveting uh, performance from James McAvoy. But it didn't need to be part of the Unbreakable universe. So what I'm saying is that it felt forced being a part of the Unbreakable universe. Well, that was just the end, like post-credits practically, of, of Split. But with Glass, you feel the strain. You feel the strain to make Split part of the Unbreakable universe. These, these characters, these movies, they work on their own merits, but not together. And also, this is a film that came out like 18 years too late. Because when Unbreakable opened in 2000, it was like three or four months after X-Men revitalized the superhero movie genre. Because, you know, the 70s superhero movie, uh, Superman, that, that came and went. And then the uh, Tim Burton Batman s- uh, series, that came and went. But it was X-Men, which revitalized the genre. And a, a genre that has now sustained itself consistently mm-hmm. and evolved over the years. Like you went from the X-Men films to the Spider-Man films, to the Dark Knight films, to the Marvel freaking cinematic universe, which has been an unprecedented thing mm-hmm. in the history of Hollywood movies, period. What Kevin Feige has done with the MCU mm-hmm. is brilliant. And I think, you know, we don't have the perspective yet, but it is unprecedented in, in Hollywood what he has done. And and the tone of Glass was I don't, I don't get it. Is it, is, it wasn't consistent. It was a tone-deaf movie. Is it supposed to be campy, deliberately campy? I mean, it took itself too seriously for, for, for the campy tone of it. And, I mean, I agree. Well, I call it glass when it's really a split, too. Um, it just – and the, the – it, it, it was a slow build, which I'm all for because The Sixth Sense was a slow build. The whole I hate – I see dead people moment was the midpoint of that movie. And I'm I'm all for a slow build. I'm all for for building suspense and intensity, but the 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 payoff wasn't worth it. the uh, The last thirty forty minutes of the movie was a mess. It didn't work. Uh, and whatever whatever promising build up that movie had, what had a very disappointing payoff. And uh, I it just the movie uh, Glass did not work. And it's not the lack of action because some people are saying, "Oh, you were expecting action." It's not the lack of action. It's Good, the lack of good drama. I wanted to see this movie with these three characters locked in one room. I want to see that movie, like Buried or I don't know, uh, The Guilty or something like that. A very small, contain almost like a like a theater play. I want to see that movie. That that is the thing that we we were promised. And we have, for example, that scene with there are the three of them together in this kind of pink uh, room, mm-hmm. and it's all about the doctor. It's all about the doctor. These characters, they don't have... Mr. Glass and uh, um, David Dunn, they don't have like one scene in heat. You want to see Robert De Niro and Al Pacino together having a conversation? You don't have that. You don't have the character of the of uh, Kevin and, and Mr. Dunn. You could have the first half of this movie just David Dunn chasing the beast. You can mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you don't. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a misfire. It's And, and I mean, look, it's... Uh, you know, Shyamalan. You know, he started strong. I mean, what was the what was the line he said in Signs? Uh, uh, swing away, mm-hmm. and he's you know he swung out right out of the gate. I mean, you know, his first you know couple Great. films. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Sixth Sense. I mean, Unbreakable, uh, and then Signs. You mm-hmm. know, but then after that, you know, village, Lady in the Water, village. The Village, and then Last Airbender, and then The Crappening. I mean, I hated that mm-hmm. movie. Wow. Uh, so this so, is this is not as bad as The Happening. This is not an Airbender. This is not. Uh, 
after Earth. I was Earth. very disappointed. But it's more it, disappointing. It's, it it's is, better, but more disappointing. This movie is to this trilogy what Return of the Jedi was to the original Star Wars, what Spider-Man 3 was to Spider-Man. Crystal Skull to Indiana Jones. Uh, but, X-Men 3 was to, you know, uh, well, Crystal Skull was 4. No, 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 but so, talking, but talking you know, about the, uh, a, a, a sequel that disappointed. The, the, the chapter that, yeah. that comes so many... And I'm not to see Return of the Jedi. I like Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's just yeah, not yeah. as good as Empire Strikes Back. But but I think that this case <laughs> is, is anything really nothing. No, <laughs> nothing is. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> but okay. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's it's gonna it's gonna open really really strong. But uh, I think the word of mouth is gonna and the social media talk it about hurt about it. glass is I, gonna hurt. I wanna I wanna just ask you guys a quick question. So back in the heyday of M Night. He pretty much had, he pretty much had free for all range, you know. They they kind of like the studio wanted to give him money. They supported it, you know. This is a Blumhouse production, and we mm. all know that with Blumhouse productions, that means that there's a small budget. Do you feel like those who did not like this movie? Do you feel like that maybe hurt this movie? No, you no, not at no. all. I mean, Blumhouse, they, look, they they're they're Oscar nominee for Get Out, right? So Blumhouse, they they know, and they did they did the Halloween. They Whiplash. Did, they produced Whiplash. They produced, but they did Halloween. Halloween was actually – I mean I, I, pe- I liked it. People liked it a lot more than I did, but it was still decent. And look, Bunkhouse but, is on fire. They're doing great but stuff. But I'm talking about like the vision that he originally had and the budget that was originally planned for. Maybe the movie had to be cut back because of the fact that they said no, times no, no, are no, time no. and you don't have as much It's money. not lack of money. It's not lack of time. It's, like, it's, it's just lack of, of good, solid ideas and a good, it's, solid story. You don't see it in the movie. I, I, remember, I remember back in the day, like in the days after Unbreakable opened and it underperformed at the box office. But then mm-hmm. again, I mean, again, anything that's going to come in after Sixth Sense is going gonna, is gonna to mm-hmm. not be as good box office-wise or, or critically. Uh, but I remember at the time... Shyamalan said, this is part of a trilogy. I was planning on doing a trilogy here. And he said, and I quote, but I didn't feel the love on Unbreakable. He said, I didn't feel the love. So I, he abandoned it. And it wasn't until people saw the end of Split that people went, oh, he picked it up again. Okay. But, you know, again, it felt tacked on. Uh, the the uh, surprise ending for, for Split felt tacked on. I felt forced. It didn't work. And the, 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 the strain of that being so forced is felt all throughout the course of Glass. If I could just just add real quick, for me it actually works because what they established at the beginning of Glass is that David Dunn and his son have been basically chasing bad guys across Philadelphia for the last 19 years, almost unchecked. And what they did at the end of Split is basically announce, this is coming for you, David Dunn. Mm -hmm. You, You have met your match. And that, to me, is why Glass works, because there is that thread that connects it, that doesn't hinder it, that actually almost catapults it into what we get. But that was, you know, that's just my take on it. But I just, FYI, Philadelphia, hometown. Yeah. Yes, you know, I yours know. Yours, too, yeah? Yeah. Yep, there you go. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was nice to see Allentown in there. Yeah, it was yeah, nice. I, mean, I love I, seeing downtown yeah, Philly. Come yeah, on, Philly's a great city. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so moving on, um, let's just go real quick around the room. Uh, we had our second annual award ceremony the other day. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, like I said earlier as I opened this, this guy right next to me, I mean, if you want someone to host the show, if you want someone to moderate a Q&A, this is the man you need Thanks, to hire. Thanks, pal. Thank you. Now, by the way, the whole reason that night went as smoothly as it did is because... 
Scott and Ashley did everything. For I sure. mean, all year long, dotted yeah. every I, crossed every T. Incredible. You know, got the venue, handled all of the things with the logistics, the programs, the awards, the seating, uh, half of the talent, the seating, all of it. Every everything was because of you and Ashley. All I did was show up and host it, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is all. I mean, all the credit goes to this guy. We all are forever it. in your debt. We are yeah. absolutely. Thank you. But That's it was a fun night, and and uh, having people, you know, sit. I mean, first of all, Brie Larson, who was our Trailblazer uh, recipient this year, posted on her Instagram saying that you have to go to this event as a nominee, as a winner. It was the most hilariously entertaining. Sorry, I got to take a little bit of credit for <laughs> yeah. that. Hilariously yes, yes, fun, yes. you know. Hilariously uh, fun. Hilariously, yeah. I mean, come on, I take a little bit of credit for being yes, hilarious. Yes, yes. I had in ages, but yes. the but the uh, the the uh, all of our members, all of our group members, uh, you call it L A O F C S. I call it the group, and that was something that Brie Larson did pick up and because ran with. she ran with it, and so did everybody else. But um, it it was the uh, the 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 heartfelt. The heartfelt presentations by the members uh, yes. in their in, in in you know announcing the winners. I mean, it was a genuine. It's a genuine feeling, and it's very low key. It's very relaxed. It's very loose. We don't have a teleprompter. We're not we're not broadcasting to the nation. You know, uh, it's all exclusive on We Live Entertainment, um, and it was just you know the, uh, the we had a great turnout. You know, Rami Malek, Elsie Fisher, Bo Burnham, uh, you know, Brie Larson, uh, John Cho, Amanda Stenberg. You know, oh, that the cast of uh, you know George Tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great great turn. The directors of Spider Man, the producer. Of a quiet place. Uh, we got a video from Spike Lee. I'll take it. Oh we got a video God, from Regina King. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mahershala Ali, you missed out. Sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, the, the other thing is, you know, we had a great first year. We had an even better second year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, this is a group that that is growing, and uh, it's our uh, we're getting. We're getting attention for all the right reasons because, uh, you know, I'm, I know, I'm sure you've talked about this before on the show, but the whole purpose of this group is to establish uh, diversity and gender equality to match the city of L.A. and Southern California, mm-hmm. which is diverse and obviously gender equality. And, you know, you need to have a, a critics group that reflects the voting audience so you're comparing apples to apples. It's not just uh, another critic. Because why? Why do that? You yeah. know. Um, but uh, it was great to see uh, to get the reactions from the the publicists after the fact. Oh my God, that was so Jesus great! Christ, you yeah. know that that you know it was a it was a perfect night, and that was after last year's perfect night. So mm. uh, they're they're uh, we're two for two. Nestor, mm. you this was your first year for you. What was your favorite takeaway from it? I mean, that, um, the whole thing was really incredible. As a as an immigrant in these very xenophobic times, you know, to feel that complete sense of belonging is very special. You know, to me, it's not just oh, this is gonna help your career or whatever. You know, I feel like I'm part of something. I'm being recognized, and 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 that is not just oh, let's be politically correct. That changes your life. You know, and I think that. Uh, all the guests felt that mm-hmm. sincere passion and yeah. commitment mm-hmm. that we that we showed through throughout the, the whole thing, and everybody had a, an an amazing time. In part because of you, and in part obviously because of what you did, and and actually, so to me it was it was incredible. And it's funny because some people is commenting on the food that said, "Oh, the the food was awesome. <laughs> the food was awesome." But in a in a way, I think that it was also kind of food for the soul. I think that some yeah. of these people. Well, let me tell you something. 
Nestor, here's the trick. It's all about the food. It's all about the food. I remember at last year's Critics' Choice Awards, which was held just like this year, just a few days after the group. And yes, I'm, I'm serious, man. It's the group. It is Hashtag the group. It is. Hashtag the group. Um, after our, our, our awards gala last year. So Guillermo del Toro, who won big at our show last year uh, with Best Picture and Best Director. Mm-hmm. So I see him at the Critics' Choice Awards. So I went up to him. And I just to thank him, A, for coming, and just to, hey, I hope you had fun. So he said, You're, the food was delicious. That was the first <laughs> thing he said. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, we, you know, we all really had a great time. And then the producer of The Shape of Water you know, said, you know, we loved, we had a great time. We loved how absolutely sincere and genuine the, night, the whole night felt. You made us feel very, very welcome is what they said. But Guillermo said, the food is everything. And I got news for you. You're going to your first Critics' Choice Awards this Sunday. You better eat before the show. (laughs) I mean, like, it's like, seriously, eat before the show. So the show runs, I think, what, five to seven? Yeah. Okay. The food that's there, like maybe a little bread, a little bit of something. Like, there's no actual food. Like, you're going to be freaking hungry well, it, if you don't eat before even, that show. You know what? This year was the first year I had the uh, appetizers outside. Mm-hmm. Like, did you guys have like, those? Those were good. Like, those crab cakes? Yeah, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, they were great. Right. <laughs> we're excited yeah, about the crab cakes. It's just... The show is morphing into something. <laughs> <laughs> Culinary critique. The yeah. food was delicious. You had the tuna tartare, <laughs> which is on the screen right now. I mean, it was just I gave best. it five stars. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe you was... should pitch the show to Food TV. <laughs> right, yeah. That's where it should air. Uh, but the best moment of the night, so at the end of the night, when they hate you, give one best picture. Mm. So George Tillman Jr., the director, and Amanda Stenberg, uh, so they're up on, and they have their awards. And Amanda's award fell, and she freaking caught it. She caught it, and I thought I was like, "Woo!" Did you see my picture? I caught that yeah, very moment. You caught that moment. I mean, I mean, sure. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that was like, it was, I was like, "Yeah!" Oh, oh it was yeah. so fun. It was so so fun. She caught that, but I it, but it was like a cat. But I mean, look, I mean, uh, I I have to say, just uh, other things for for the group to be proud of is, you know, it was really really awesome. Uh, when Rami Malek won Best Actor Drama at the Golden Globes, and it was it was I was so. So happy and excited when Bohemian Rhapsody won Best Picture Drama at the Globes because I saw that movie at the very first public screening. I loved it from from the moment I saw it. I, I you know, I just felt like it made me feel good. I was pumped. I was energized, and and uh, it, it, it the the ensemble cast they all worked so great together. And you know, we found out on Sunday that Rami won Best Actor. But our group announced yeah. that Rami won Best Actor first. Mm-hmm. So I was really proud, A, that we recognized what everyone else is, is now you know, going to be recognizing. Mm-hmm. I think he has a really good shot to win the, the Critics' Choice I Award and the Oscar now. I mean, he's, yeah, he's absolutely. A, you know, and the movie, the movie uh, itself, Bohemian Rhapsody, was nominated for Best Acting Ensemble at the SAG Awards, which is their equivalent of Best Picture. And uh, it won a producer, it was nominated for a Producers Guild Award. It's another Again, clue. another clue that it could get nominated for Best mm-hmm. Picture at the Oscars. But I was so proud that we honored Rami first and that he was there to. Uh, accept the award. And The Hate You Give, a movie that has been completely ignored, and I think that many members, I mean, I I don't want to be, you know, a a cynic, (laughs) I don't want to be bad, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of people is not watching this screening. 
Because yeah. if you see this movie, maybe, yeah. maybe you don't agree that it's the best movie of the year, fine. How can you ignore Russell Hornsby for Best Supporting Actor? I, I agree with you. It How was overlooked. can you do that? It was overlooked. And, it, you know, they, they opened it in Select City. It premiered at Toronto, which is where we yeah. saw it. It opened in Select Cities in October, and then, like, uh, two weeks later, it went wide. I I don't know. I mean, it's based on a book. I mean, the screenwriter passed away right before, I think, before Toronto. Yeah, and, like a week uh, or two before. It yeah, was it was really like hard. the time it was really, really bad. But, and, the, you know, and the young adult stigma, you know. But but George Tillman Jr. just you know did a, a marvelous job uh, capturing the scope, the national scope of of the uh, the inciting incident that that launches the hate you give, mm. putting all this pressure on the character played by Amanda Stenberg, who was absolutely magnificent and gave one of the two great one of the three great young performances of the year, uh, actress wise, next to uh, Elsie Fisher for for eighth grade and for Millicent Simmons oh, for Millicent. A Quiet Place, yeah. who was yeah. wonderful in that movie. But but uh, uh, I I I mean, The Hate You Get was a, was a really great movie, often overlooked. But I know it was your number one and. He's on the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> that is like like another really proud moment to be on that one because I I love this movie so much. Joel, you didn't get to say anything. What do you, what did you think? What was uh, your favorite takeaway? My highlight. I mean, there's so many. It's yeah. kind of hard to choose. But my highlight, speaking, keeping it with uh, the hate you give, was the uh, the acceptance uh, video that we got from the author of the book. Yes. Oh, that was rousing. That right? was rousing. And you know, not only was she you know enjoyable, she was enlightening, she was entertaining, she had us laughing, she was real, she was raw, she she was everything you would want her to be. And everything that you can see embodied in her in her story that we see on the big screen, I think that we could not have had a better representation of that movie at our awards than her acceptance speech. Great. Uh, real quick, uh, just we don't have time to run through all these. Uh, I love that we had this great conversation today. But the BAFTA nominations came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Surprises, takeaways, negatives. What do you guys think? One thing that's striking to me is that Bohemian Rhapsody earned a nod for Outstanding British Film, but not Best Film, whereas The Favorite is nominated in both. And I'm wondering if that might be a hiccup on its march to the Oscars. What, for Bohemian? Yeah. No, you know what? The Baptists are a different beast. I mean, they're British Oscars, and they are the British Oscars, where where I think that the, The Favorite is... While it's getting all these nominations, it's the most nominated film at the Critics' Choice Awards mm-hmm. on Sunday with 14 nominations, and uh, and it got 12 nominations at the BAFTAs. I feel like really, you know, really when it comes down to it, what is it really, really, really going to win here? Uh, I, I mean, I think Olivia Coleman solidified yes. her frontrunner yes. status yes. with yes. her with her Best Actress comedy win, um, and this is British, and so is the movie. It's and probably it's, the it's, most British movie out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're really, you know, of course. So it makes sense that it's the most nominated. And I feel like it's going to be at the Baptist where where it does get more wins, more recognition that mm-hmm. way. Where I mean, I was surprised, pleasantly, because I mean, I loved I loved Green Book, but when Green Book won Best Screenplay over The Favorite of the Globes, oh, I was shocked. I mean, I'm listen. I mean, honestly, I keep talking about the Globes. Honestly, I don't really give a whole lot of credibility to the Globes, no, because they're 90, 90 or so members, and you know they divide the categories between musical and comedy versus uh, drama, so you have more chances to predict things. But really, you know, the bellwether, the the best award show that really does have the best accuracy with predicting the Oscar nominations and the wins are the Critics' Choice Awards. Last year, last year when Shape of Water won, the Critics' Choice Awards 
had a 100% accuracy rating on all of the major awards, 100%. So consider that when you look at how First Man was nominated for 10 Critics' Choice Awards. I know I like that movie more than most people, and I think that it'll do well in the below-the-line stuff, but First Man was, just like uh, Hate You Give for different reasons, overlooked. Also overlooked at the at the Brett Baptist. I'm not surprised there. But uh, I think the favorable will have much better odds at winning at the Bathurst. Yeah. How about you, Nesca? I mean, to me, it's kind of surprised the best um, lead actress category because I think it's the strongest category you can think of. And a, a couple of months ago, we had like 20 people yeah. that could be fighting for this. And Tony Collette is, uh, is, is not part of the conversation which anymore. Is sad. Apparently, it's weird to me that Sergio Ronan is not here. I mean, for, for this award in particular. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Charlize Theron. I think that she did a fantastic job mm-hmm. in Again, Tully. If that came out in October. Oh if, Tully, God, if, Tully, yeah. if they switched to the, the two Reitman movies. Oh, they should have. Mm-hmm. They should have because, you know, the front runner was very disappointing. And Tully, which came out in April, was great. And Charlize Theron, stunning movie. One, of her, one of her great performances. But it came out so early that, that she just was not getting the love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing for eighth grade. Nothing for first reform. And I'm starting to think about Ethan Hawke's chances here because he's oh, being overlooked yeah. for – for which much. one? Ethan uh, Hawke. First Reform. First not... Reform, it's, it's, uh, listen, the fact that it's getting any, any nominations at all, uh, take, you know, b- pick your battles, be happy with what you get. It's just too, it's too small, it's, it's too yeah. indie, it's, and it's yeah. very wow. freaking depressing. It's yeah. actually uh, somewhat surprising for me, um, given the history of the BAFTA, is that they actually did a Best Original Screenplay at the award I presented at our show to Vice. They did a nomination for Vice. It's a very uniquely American story about the American democracy process. And usually the BAFTAs, aren't really turned on by that sort of thing. So I actually feel like that's that's kind of one of the surprises for me as well. But it's not for Best Picture. No, 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 no. Yeah. But, but the screenplay, the fact that yeah. it was even noticed yeah. for the, that. The thing that stands out to me, and it's, it doesn't really stand out in terms of award season considering what this, this, this group stands for, but Stan and Ollie, I feel like, is yeah. the underdog of award it's season. It's a very good movie. And mm. it's a really good movie, and I'm so happy that Steve Gook Steve Coogan yeah. got Finally. best leading actor. Finally, he's some so notice. good. Yeah, yeah, he's great, and so is John C. Riley. Yeah. yeah, they're both great in that film. That was a, but again, it's not. It's it's a Sony Pictures Classics movie. It's you know, I mean, John C. Riley was nominated for best actor comedy for mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's it's you know, it's just too under the radar. It's over, it's being overlooked. But again, it's also very 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 niche. Think about it. I mean, you know, Lauren Hardy. You know, yeah. What what uh, what uh, what Twitter user really <laughs> is going to really run out to see a movie about Lauren Hardy? Those you know? two aren't on Twitter. Yeah, Any uh, closing remarks on this for the Baftas? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, my 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 question right now is: Can Roma win Best Picture at the Oscars? Yeah, that, I think it has a very. That is shot my there, question yeah. right now because uh, Quaroni is gonna take. He's gonna all, get director. He's gonna get director. He's gonna get director, cinematography. Uh, uh, he's gonna get uh, uh, foreign, uh, film. foreign film for yeah. sure. And he's been nominated for every single guild. You know, mm-hmm. the writers, the producers, the director. I mean, and what's so, great about it, Nestor, is that there is no front runner for best picture. I there's know no, that's great. There's no I Lord know. of the Rings. No. There's no Titanic. You know, there's no, no Argo. There's no, there, you know, nothing that is like you know the race is over. It could be Roma. It could be Green Book. It could be The Favorite. It could be A Star Is Born. Um, 
and uh, and they're all Rhapsody now. Well, (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, up until uh, and I I was saying that I think that it'll it'll get the the eighth nomination for Best Picture, Mm. and now I'm convinced it'll get the eighth nomination. And I think, especially given that landscape, the fact that they have the way that they vote now at the Academy, it could be anybody's game. Right, and you also like in the last two years they added two thousand members. Right, and we don't know how those people. Yeah, Yeah, we don't. Last year it was a little more. You can get somewhat of an idea, but we have this is a blank slate. There's seven thousand nine hundred members of the academy. I would not count out Black Klansmen. Now that personally is my. I I love Black Klansmen, but I would not. And they have long ignored Spike Mm -hmm. for years, and he is more than due. And it was anyone else noticed that he seemed really bored at the Golden Globes? Oh, no. Yeah. Listen, Spike Lee, that's if that's Spike Lee, happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the full I, position. You know I, those yeah. T-shirts that say, you know, uh, Darth Vader happy, yeah, Darth Vader yeah. sad, yeah. Darth Vader dead? Yeah. That's Spike, Spike Lee. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> no, so let's Spike, Spike Lee. Giddy. Spike Lee has been breaking ground. He's been a trailblazer. Uh, for since you know 1986 with the she's got to have it yeah. his breakthrough film to do the right Love thing the movie. best movie of 1989 no question. Um, and Black Klansman is his most fully realized movie mm-hmm. and I say that because he took like sort of the broad commercial qualities that he put into into uh, Inside did. Man yeah. But he stayed true to his roots as a controversial button pusher, a conversation starter with Black Klansman. Like everything that Spike Lee does great came to bear in Black Klansman, and he deserves to be recognized. And it's a period piece that works today, yes, especially oh. with that ending. Mm-hmm. What he did sure with it, does. what he chose to do with an ending, you're just like, nothing has changed. Yep. Just like with the end of uh, of uh, uh, Do the Right Thing, yes. nothing has Same changed. Thing. You know, I exactly. mean, that movie came out before Rodney King, before mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin, mm-hmm. and now thirty years later, today's the thirtieth anniversary. This year is the thirtieth anniversary. Do the Right Thing, yeah. and Do the Right Thing is still a big, like it's still timely and ahead of its time. So sadly, Academy, do not forget Black Klansman. Yeah, do not forget Spike Lee, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're done. Let's wrap up real quick. Nestor, starting with you, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter as Nestor Cine, on Instagram as Desde Hollywood, and I run the website called DesdeHollywood.com. It's a bilingual website, and that's me. I am at uh, TheMovieMensch.com. I can also be found at Joel underscore D underscore Amos, Joel D. Amos on Twitter, and also on Facebook if you find me there. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MovieMance with a TZ. You can also watch my show, Movie Review Talk, on Collider every Friday morning at 9 a.m. You've been on my show. You've been on my show. You better come on my show the next time you can. I swear to God, I'm tracking you down. Count it. And you can also catch me on Collider Videos for your consideration, our award season show that runs every Monday afternoon. And uh, probably catch me at the Arclight uh, moderating Q&As uh, all weekend long. Mm-hmm. Yes. I almost guarantee that's going to happen. So. I hope so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, of course, am Scott Menzel. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. And visit WeLiveEntertainment.com. Thank you so much for watching. Like, share, comment down this video. Thank you again. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.